This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky. As always, I'm joined by Nick Horwat. We hope everybody had a safe and happy holidays over the weekend. We're back. The NHL hopefully is back. We are recording this a little early because we're going to be going on sabbatical. But uh, a little bit of news. Make sure if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at Iceberg Podcast. We are getting so close right now to 1,000 followers on Twitter. If we hit that before our January 3rd episode, which happens to be episode 200, if we do that, we will be doing a massive giveaway. And that giveaway is definitely Snoop Dogg approved. So make sure you follow us there. And let's get on with the show, Horowat, because we have a fun episode today. We're not going to be talking about the minutia of the NHL season, which is what we usually like to do, but we're going to be talking about Ron Hextall and Brian Burke. They were put into power in Pittsburgh, Last January, after the sudden departure of Jim Rutherford, who has since reappeared in Vancouver, but uh, we're going to be grading Ron Hextall and Brian Burke's moves and their job that they have done thus far. Horwat, overall, before we go into this, are you going to say it's a net positive or a net negative what they've done in Pittsburgh so far? Let's say a net positive so far. Uh, this team is winning despite uh, numerous... Injuries, setbacks, fighting through a worldwide virus. I think any team that is able to, you know, maintain a victory trend and winning tradition through a worldwide pandemic uh, already has a general positive rating. It's a matter of how positive it is. And for the Penguins, it's been pretty good. Yet the playoffs were the playoffs, but... That's not what we're here to discuss because it is the players that um, Hextall and Burke have brought in that have really shown this is a good team. They have a pretty good track record so far with the Penguins. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I think when you look at last season, and we'll get into that right now, when they took over, they mentioned the fact that they were not going to be making any haste decisions, not many big moves because they wanted to evaluate what they had in the entire organization as well as with the NHL squad so not many moves made during the 2020-21 season they made one waiver claim picking up Mark Friedman from Philadelphia he is still with the organization he's only played in a handful of games but he helps the Penguins blue line depth in case of injury which earlier this season we saw was necessary so it's nice to have a guy like Friedman in case of emergency but realistically it's not a move that moved the needle all that much I would think if I'm grading this move I'm going to say it's probably a B- minus because he's an NHL caliber defenseman. He's not going to be great. He's not going to be able to play in your lineup every day. But when he gets in there, he's like a, a, a Chad Ruedel Jr., in my opinion. When he gets in there, he's more than serviceable, especially against the Philadelphia Flyers. Yep, they just took the words right out of my mouth. He really is pretty much the, in case of emergency, break glass defenseman. Mm-hmm. He's perfectly fine, you know, coasting around in the press boxes, not getting all of the playing time. But when he's on the ice, he's a menace, like you said, especially against the Flyers or yeah. former former Flyers. He, he yeah. and Wayne Simmons were never actually teammates 
I think maybe for a game. I don't I don't remember what, exactly what I found. But or former Flyers, he loves getting under their skin. Something about him and his former teammates and his former Flyer brethren that sets him and the team off. So you love to see it. I hope he only plays against the Flyers. Uh, so I'm giving it a B, just a little up from you, just because I like what he does against rival teams like that. The only other move that Hextall and Burke made during the season last year was on trade deadline day, and we broke it live on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast when we had one of our live shows. Maybe we should get back to that at some point. We'll have to see. It was a fun episode, too. (laughs) It was. We had uh, Doug Gladkey on, and then Jordy Cunningham of the King's Den joined us as well. So uh, that was a a fun episode. And why did Jordy join us? Because the Penguins' trade was with the LA Kings bringing over Big Jeff Carter, which now you look at it, he is an essential piece to the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. They brought him over for a conditional third and fourth round pick. Well, that conditional third stayed a conditional third because the Penguins didn't win the Stanley Cup. And that fourth is still up for grabs, but it's going to turn into probably a third and a third because Carter only needed to play 50 games this season for that to turn from a fourth to a third. He's played 27 already, only 23 needed. So Jeff Carter for two third round picks. I give this move an A+. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at the way that Carter played last season. Above and beyond anything we could have ever expected. Was fantastic, and that is an understatement for the rest of the regular season. Was pretty okay in the playoffs. And then this year, when he stepped up, because he's needed to, a first-line center, a second-line center for the majority of time since Crosby's came back, and he stepped into that role extremely well. And once Malkin comes back, which could be right around the corner, Jeff Carter is going to be a great third-line center for a team that's going to be looking to contend late in the season. Carter's looking to close off a strong career. I agree with the A-plus rating. Um, Just all the things he's done since getting here, you can't say it's been bad. You can't can't pick out too many negative aspects of anything that's happened. He's helping the team win. He's stepping up in the right situations from being the third-line center to the second to the first for a game or two to fighting through everything it's been a ton of fun the only thing i disagree with with the Carter thing so far was protecting him in the expansion draft but i think there may there may have been some behind the scenes details nobody knows about with that so the fact that we got him here at all may have included him being protected so um for what it's worth an a plus grade for me as well now there's two occasions and two instances there's probably even more that i think not making a move is almost as important as making a move. One of them was the trade deadline. They made the move to go get Jeff Carter, but there were other bigger names that the Penguins were technically connected to. But Hextall and Burke, in that time of seeing what they have in the Pittsburgh Penguins, noticed that this team was fine as it was. You don't need to trade future assets. And they held down Pat. And this team went on to win the East Division last year. That go, That's credit to Hextall and Burke, their division champion, GM, and president of Hockey Ops already. And also, the team in the postseason, albeit bad goaltending, was the better of the two teams in that series with the Islanders. So they put out a team that was pretty good. Sullivan had all the tools he needed to beat the Islanders, except Tristan Jari just wasn't on his game. So I would think in their first season, which was basically a shortened season where they came in halfway through the shortened season, so a weird thing there. But I would give them uh, probably an A for their performance in that technically first season in quotes uh with the pittsburgh penguins yeah you had a b minus and an a plus that averages out to about an a minus something around there so an a minus yeah. or something but yeah, the division championship out. makes it an a exactly there's a little <laughs> boost there so 
you're right. I, I think so. For through through stepping up, rather for jumping ship, through finding the right two players for that um, little run, for finding for gaining two players without giving any up, no less. Uh, solid effort, solid moves, so uh, good stuff. Uh, NA rating as well overall for the first. What would that have been like? Fifty games? There's no under fifty. No, probably 40, like thirty-five 30 or forty games. Yeah. Uh, so, good stuff all around. So at that point, then we went into the off season where this is when we said, okay, now we're really gonna see what Hextall and Burke think of this team. We're gonna see how they can start to mold this into their fashion because even though that team won a division championship under the tutelage of Hextall and Burke. It was still Mike Sullivan's system with Jim Rutherford's players. Then we started to see, okay, the decisions need to be made. Who do they bring back? Who do they bring in? Who do they let go? And that's when we need to start discussing the Seattle Crack expansion draft. I didn't say in. I said Seattle Crack, but Seattle Kraken expansion draft. So be it. Uh, Beforehand, before... The protection lists were in, which we'll talk about. These two decided, and I say these two, it's mostly Ron Hextall, but he has to sign off with Brian, uh, with Brian Burke. They trade Jared McCann to Toronto in exchange for Philip Hollander and a seventh-round pick. Horwat, how do you grade this out? Because McCann has had a pretty decent season with the Seattle Kraken. Clearly, he is a piece that is very helpful on the power play for Seattle, might have been able to help the Pittsburgh Penguins who have had an undermanned power play to start this season. How do you grade out this trade to Toronto to avoid losing him for nothing to Seattle? Because essentially that's why they made the move. Yeah, I kind of don't totally hate it. Um, it's it's hard to grade because this Penguins lineup right now is so kind. It's so stacked regardless of if McCann was here or not. We have the depth all around. We have scoring from unexpected players, so it's not like we lost, you know, however many goals McCann is getting in Seattle. It's not like we lost them. We're still winning games. We're finding great ways to win without them. I don't totally hate it. I think it was just questionable at first because he was a guy that we thought we could keep around for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving the McCann trade a C plus. I think, because... We're not hurting without him. Mm-hmm. We're not. As much as the internet likes to think we are, we're not. We're doing perfectly fine. And it is a business. Moves like this happen. Mm-hmm. There were several teams and several players where certain teams took advantage of other teams wanting to get rid of a player and get something back. I mean, you look at Victor Arvidsson going from Nashville to L.A. You look at Ryan Graves going from Colorado to New Jersey. This was a similar situation. Now, they got less than you would get for a Ryan Graves or a Victor Arvidsson, but I feel like Jared McCann is seen across the league as a little bit less of a player. But you look at it, instead of a third and fourth round pick, you get a seventh round pick, but you also get Philip Hollander, who is immediately a top five prospect in what is a barren prospect pool for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So already you see Burke and Hextall working to try to build up the minor league system, build up the prospect system because they're trying to avoid a collapse like we saw in Detroit five years ago, who's just starting to get out of it. So they're trying to build up a little bit below it. So I would give it a B minus, honestly, because hindsight is twenty twenty. Seeing that things have worked out in the meantime means you probably don't need Jared McCann on this team. Yes, he would be a help to the power play, but is it more important to have that player for one year or a guy like Hollander and a 
some potential in a seventh round pick to help boost your system when it doesn't actually affect and hurt your major or your professional team. Exactly. I totally agree. It's a matter of looking ahead. Sure, McCann would be helpful, but it's not not the worst thing in the world to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Now, the McCann move and the next one that I'm going to talk about are two of the ones that they were highly criticized for. The, t- the only two moves that they've really been criticized for across Penguins Twitter, across Penguins land, was the way they handled the expansion draft. Trading McCann, protecting the players that they did to end up losing Brandon Tanev in the expansion draft. Horwat, you look at their protected list. Bluger, Carter, Crosby. Gensel, Kapanen, Malkin, Rust. Those are the forwards. Dumlin, Latang, and Matheson were protected on the defense. John Marino was exempt. And then they protected Tristan Jari. They end up losing Brandon Tanev. How do you grade and hold their performance during the expansion draft? Perfectly fine B. Mm-hmm. Because, sure, we protected Matheson, but I were we going to lose him anyway? I don't know. Maybe that's the question mark there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this, te- this these guys want to see this team change a little bit, and I think Tanev was definitely one of them. For what it's worth, if we're going to jump back to the McCann thing for a split second, Toronto handled the McCann situation way worse than the Penguins did. True. Um, now back to the Tanev thing. Tanev was such an odd player. Sure, we loved him. Sure, we loved him as a teammate, as a player, and what he could do for the energy of the team. Mm-hmm. But boy, oh boy, we didn't like that contract at first. How many times have, we, have people said it? We didn't know why Rutherford was making that sort of signing. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what to expect. And I was taking it year by year anyway. Now that stress is kind of gone. Yeah. Don't have to worry about going into a new season with an expensive Brandon Tanev who plays a hard game and is another year older. Mm-hmm. I don't hate it. So I'm, what did I say? A B? Because I like a B on how the whole uh, expansion draft situation went. Sure, I didn't like protecting Carter, but again, maybe it took a promise of, hey, I'm going to protect you in the expansion draft. Either that, or maybe they knew that Evgeny Malkin was going to be out a lot longer than we originally expected when he got that surgery. You needed a second-line center. Right, that too. You never know. It's I just stood on the point of it would be dumb for the Kraken to take him because you're trying to build for the future. Why would you take an old man like that? But for what it's worth now, you know what? The, you mentioned uh, a while ago the Kraken needing goaltending. I mean, they could also use a Jeff Carter. <laughs> they could. They could. And the way I look at this, I grade it as a B+. I can't grade it as an A minus, which is what I initially want to do, just because of how much I like Brandon Tanev, his personality, everything. I mean, he's become a cult hero in Seattle. He's a great story for them in their inaugural season. I loved watching him play. But yeah, he did have one of the bigger contracts when it came to years and money on the roster for a guy that Mike Sullivan was deploying as a, as a fourth or third line guy. And that's the thing. And it's not that Mike Sullivan doesn't like him. That's where he fit on this team. That's a lot of money to pay a guy in that position. Now, looking at the people they protected, clearly you don't want to let go of Teddy Bluger. Right. Clearly the Pittsburgh Penguins historically have always won and been successful with strength down the middle. And while, yeah, Jared McCann can play center, he was always better as a winger. So you protect your four centers in Bluger, Carter, Crosby, and Malkin. Now, clearly, obviously, Crosby, Gensel, Kapanen, Malkin, Rust, those were your big names. Those were the guys that we all knew were going to get protected. But that importance of strength down the middle historically to the Pittsburgh Penguins is, in my opinion, why they decided to protect Bluger and Carter. I like that idea defensively. I 
was a little flabbergasted by Matheson, but when you look at it, they were daring the Kraken to take a contract off of them, whether that be Marcus Pedersen, Jason Zucker, or Brandon Tanev. And they selected Tanev, which in their right was probably the best decision, although Pedersen has had a very good season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But when I look at it from the Penguins' standpoint, they didn't trade another pick to make sure that Seattle took somebody, which not a lot of people did. And yeah, you lose a player, but everybody lost a player. You mitigated the risk. Brandon Tanev's having a career season in Seattle. He also has an elevated role, more playing time, better line mates, more offensive line mates. I don't want to say better because I think he played really well with Aston Reese and Bluger while he was here, but he has more offensive line mates that can set him up for goals than Bluger and Aston Reese were able to. Hence the reason why you see his inflated numbers. So I graded it as a B plus. Again, the only reason it's not an A is because Brandon Tanev's personality is infectious, and I have to dock points for losing that type of personality. But other than that, realistically, analytically, statistically, it's a great move, and I thought they handled it pretty well. Yeah, it was all around great stuff. I think some of the stuff didn't make sense. I almost, after hearing the conversation, I, was, I almost want to boost both my grades I gave for these two. But, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? It's We're not the ones running the team they are, and they're doing a great job of it. I didn't get that. Could you try it? Shut up. Your watch is trying to get in. I mean, Siri wants to be important. i got to check my watch to make sure it doesn't go off. <laughs> wants to be important to this podcast. So uh, we, I do have one more thing I want to talk about before we head to break and come back and talk about some of the free agent moves that they were able to make. I mentioned already some of the best moves that you can make as a general manager is the move you don't pull the trigger on. All offseason long, the Penguins were thought to be in the market for a goaltender. They didn't do anything. And Tristan Jari is now a Vesna capable goaltender at Christmas. He's in the top 10, if not the top five right now in the Vesna race. Now it's very unofficial because nobody actually votes on it, but his numbers have him up there with a lot of the Vesna favorites and the Vesna hopefuls. So the fact that he wasn't moving on from Tristan Jari, the fact that he held Pat stood behind Tristan Jari also stood behind Casey DeSmith as his backup, even though he did get a little bit of insurance, which we'll talk about in a minute after the break, but the fact that he stuck with Tristan Jari and now Tristan Jari is rewarding him with his best performance and the best we've ever seen him play is uh, a move that I'm going to give them an A-plus for that Mm -hmm. because Ron Hextall obviously was a goaltender. He knows how they work. They're They're voodoo to us. They're probably still voodoo to him, but maybe a little bit less. So... The fact that he stand pat or he stood pat with Jari, and now you're seeing the positive results. That's an A plus. Absolutely, it's an A plus. You're seeing Tristan Jari win games for you. You're seeing him play smart. Sure, maybe you you can dock it to an A or an A minus because maybe you didn't try and take a shot at Flurry whenever that was happening. Hmm. Maybe you didn't try and even field offers to see what was up with some of the other goalies. Who cares at this point? We're a winning team with a winning goalie who is putting up some of the best stuff we've seen in a long time. And you know what other move that kind of goes unnoticed with um, keeping Jari around? Signing a new goalie coach. Yeah. So there you go. A-plus again because putting those two together, um, the signing of a new goalie coach and keeping Jari around, combine that as an A-plus, absolutely. You don't worry about not catching up on Flurry. You don't worry about... We, we like to always say John Gibson coming home. While both of those are kind of fantasy land fairy tales, mm-hmm. they would be fun, absolutely. But you know what's more fun than having those two come in and maybe lose games? Keeping Tristan Jari around with a new goalie coach and winning games. Mm-hmm. So I think we're okay with what we got here. 
Yeah, the firing of Mike Buckley and the promotion of Andy Kyoto is definitely something that is not pointed to enough when it comes to the turnaround of Tristan Jari. So definitely shout out to Andy Kyoto as well, because he's done a great job and Tristan Jari's done a great job bouncing back from that. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to talk about the free agent signings, all the re-signings, and we're going to have our overall thoughts and opinions and our final grades on how Ron Hextall and Brian Burke have done since taking over last January. We'll be right back. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. The NHL got rid of ties back in 2005, so you know someone's going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 20 or an order, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities. There is not going to be a Pens poll this week because it's a holiday week and we have to record this super, super early. We actually recorded this episode last week, but we are going to finish off our discussion about Ron Hextall, Brian Burke, and grading these two boys for the job they've done from January, whenever they took over, till December 22nd when we actually recorded this. If they make a move in the meantime, which they can't because the NHL has a roster freeze over Christmas. So uh, that's that's that. But uh, we're talking about the offseason that was for Ron Hextall, what he did with this organization in the offseason. He brought in eight new players, or at least eight players that weren't on the team when he took over. The two that are kind of just washes, and I kind of don't even grade them, are Taylor Fadoon and Michael Chaput. They're veteran guys that are both playing for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. They both came to camp. They're people that are in Wilkes-Barre. They're going to be teaching some of the young guys, Sam Poulin, Nathan Legarave, Valtteri Pustinen. They're guys that are going to teach them how to be professionals. So in that instance, it's a wash. I don't really want to give them a grade on it because there's not really much return that you can see. And even whenever those players do get to the pros, meaning like Pustinen and Legeray, and it might be because of Fadun and Chaput that they are more professional if, than normal rookies. Who knows how it's going to work? But that's very hard to quantify, so I'm not even going to grade them. Yeah, it's not a fair grade, especially considering they're not playing at the NHL level, uh, specifically those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be cool to see them sort of lay the groundwork for the future of what, what could be the future of the Penguins. Um, but even then, I mean, those aren't going to be the guys that get the credit for it. Uh, yeah. Fadoon and Chaput. Chaput, thank you. They're not going to be the guys that get the credit for it. It is going to be no. Hextall and Burke. I think maybe Rutherford. I forget who picked up these guys now. But regardless, uh, Hextall and Burke did. Yeah. Regardless, it's um, it's all going to be a wash. Totally agree. With yeah. You. <clears throat> 
two goalies were brought into the organization. Of course, they did lose Emil Larmy, who was a fan favorite on social media. He went back to, I believe it's Finland is where he's from. So he went back to Finland. They bring in Wiley veteran Louis Domingue in his suit game mm-hmm. as, a, as a third goaltender. Also as kind of a, a mentor to a goaltender that they signed out of the NCAA, and that's Philip Lindbergh, who, when he has played for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, has played very well. He's dealing with a little bit of injuries this year. But all in all, the 22-year-old former NCAA champion has been able to make that step to the AHL pretty well. And Louis Domingue, in his stead, has been able to play well as well. And he's there if we need a third goaltender or if we need somebody to push Casey to Smith, which right now, we don't need to. But maybe in the future, we will. So I to grade those two grades, to bring those two goalies in, I give him an A on that. Because I like Louis Domingue as a third option. And I think Philip Lindbergh, is a very promising young goaltender and the best that we've seen in the minors since before Emil Army, since Tristan Jari was a minor league goaltender. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're seeing <clears throat> the real the real discussions of Louis Domingue in this NHL lineup have already been had. We're, yes. We have based some good confidence in him, and that's not digging into his, uh, I almost said Toronto Maple Leafs, his Tampa Bay Lightning past. We know that he can be an NHL caliber backup if we genuinely do need it for third string right now works great uh, I don't know his numbers right now for the AHL but I think he's doing pretty well um, so he's there he is the option and then there is uh, Lindbergh who is a future choice definitely that one we just kind of have to see how it sprouts still it's still just kind of a seed in the ground Got a lot of a future ahead of him, and that's what uh, the main premise of him signing here was. Whereas we look at Domingue as an immediate uh, stopgap if we need it. Yeah, and especially in the the age of COVID, you need to know you need to have a third goaltender. Yeah, you do in case something happens there. So to have Louis Domingue as a stopgap, that's also good. His stats this year in nine games played in Wilkes-Barre: two point five four goals allowed average and a nine twenty two save percentage. Oh yeah, so performing pretty well down there for the Wilkes-Barre's Grand Baby Penguins. Now let's get to the moves, the signings of the players that weren't here last year, that are now here and are playing in the National Hockey League. First and foremost, they brought back Dom Simone after his brief hiatus going out to Calgary, playing 11 games and not scoring any points. <laughs> I like, you know what? A lot of people were on either side of it, as they always have been with Dom Simone. Some people said, why are we bringing this scrub back? And some people said, you know what? Analytically, he's not bad if he can learn how to play in a role that's diminished and if he can learn how to play in the bottom six. I think he's done extremely well as the 13th forward for the Pittsburgh Penguins because when this team is fully healthy, Dominic Simone is not in the lineup, but he is still a better option, in my opinion, than a Sam Lafferty. Correct. Currently, he's a better option than a Drew O'Connor. Damn it. And if you need a winger, I think he's a better winger option than a Brian Boyle. I feel like Brian Boyle is a center, and we'll talk about him, but is a winger option. Dominic Simone fits the bill a little bit better for Mike Sullivan's style of play. So bringing back Dominic Simone for a very small price tag, he's not going to put up the points, but he's going to be a guy that can fill in. I say that's a straight B. Yeah. Yeah, I think people were more scared of the the return of Dom Simone than they were. They were scared of the utilization rather than the player coming back. We love... People generally like Dom Simone on this team, I think. Just not when he's playing with Sidney Crosby. Exactly. It's just not when he's... And he hasn't. Yeah, it's just not when he's being overused, which he's not. He's a healthy scratch on on good nights. 
mm-hmm. and is a fourth liner on the nights he's in. Perfect. This is exactly what Dom Simone is. Now, had, was he probably a better player with Sidney Crosby? But Yes, but that's because Sidney Crosby just does that to people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, This is just the correct role for him. Can he improve? Sure. I think he's a little past the age of improving at this point. But let's say Dom Simone pops off and turns into next, maybe next year's Evan Rodriguez if he's still around. Sure, stick it with Crosby again then. But that's a different conversation for a different time. For right now, yeah, a straight B is good for Dom, for the return of Dom Simone because he's cheap. He's still kind of young and he's in the correct role. So I don't know if really that's a great for putting him in the correct role is the best part of Dom Simone here. I don't know if that's really great on Hextall and Burke as it is Sullivan, but regardless. It's a good depth option, and he's better than Sam Lafferty at this point. I'm going to lump these next two guys together. Because they've basically been lumped together since they both signed. They're the two big acquisitions. And I put that in air quotes again because they weren't really big acquisitions. They were under-the-radar signings by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Unless you're from Pittsburgh because it was the biggest needle movers of the entire offseason. They bring in Danton Heinen and Brock McGinn, who immediately were dubbed Jared McCann and Brandon Tanev Jr. That's that that was the yeah. immediate rem- reminder. We're like, oh, well, Danton Heinen's a replacement for for Jared McCann. And Brock McGinn is a replacement for Brandon Tanev. And realistically, Mike Sullivan has deployed them as such, but they're two completely different players. Yeah, they are. I'm trying to remember my cat friendly closed. Okay, I'm trying to remember contracts for everyone. Heinen's a league man, is he not? Or am I making that? Uh, Heinen is, I believe he's a little bit higher than League Men. I can't remember, but the bigger contract was to Brock McGinn. Yes. I believe that was a three year contract for 2.4? Four year 2.75. Four 2.75. Yes, whereas. I knew there was a four and a two in there. Yeah. <laughs> somewhere. Four years, four 2.75, years. which I think that was the. That's really what made McGinn the direct replica of Tanev. It was, he's going to play probably with Aston Reese and Bluger. Look at that, he's doing that. And oh yeah, he's making not a lot of money, but he's making um, a healthier price tag for a good term uh, compared to Dan Heinen. So that's where that immediate uh, comparison came from. Whereas mm-hmm. Heinen, one year, 1.1 million. That That's basically what McCann was making to a T. So mm-hmm. uh, the difference between Heinen and McCann, however, is the fact that they are just two different players uh, almost in every way, shape and form, except for the fact that Heinen has now really looked like Jared McCann. So I don't know. It's weird. I looked at Dent Heinen coming in as a player that can go anywhere in the lineup, literally. Uh, and he's fit very well into every spot in the lineup that he's played. He's had to kind of play everywhere and he works especially at that price tag. And Brock McGinn is finally catching up to the system and is playing great again. So, yeah, like these again, these are two eight grade A signings. We love to see it. Yeah, currently, Danton Heinen and Brock McGinn are fourth and fifth, respectively, on this team in goals. You know who they have more goals than? I mean, Danton Heinen has nine on the season. He's actually tied for third with Jeff Carter. But Brock McGinn has eight. They both have more goals than Kasperi Kapanen. Sidney Crosby. Well, it's, it's, but Crosby only played 18 games. I'm talking about people that have played in all 30 games. Okay. I should have started with that. Uh, they have more goals than Kasperi Kapanen and Jason Zucker. <laughs> the latter of, the, of those two is not hard to do right now. Uh, Jason Zucker has four goals. He's tied with Sidney Crosby in goals. But 
way down in assists. So, yeah, to see the fact that these guys aren't just performing by playing the right way because both of these guys, especially McGinn, the way that McGinn forechecks and backchecks, it is noticeable. And I'm sure Mike Sullivan sits there, watches him, plays hockey, and just gets all excited. I'm sure he's like, this is exactly what I wanted, Ron Hextall. Thank you very much. This is my early Christmas present from five months ago. So the fact that he's now scoring goals, same with Danton Heinen, the fact that these guys are now starting to score goals and get more comfortable in the system just makes it all the better. I think these signings were grade A, A-plus for them. I think the, the two biggest A-pluses, and actually I think there's going to be three A-pluses that I give out. One of them I already mentioned, and that was the Jeff Carter trade. Bringing in these two is also an A-plus, the Heinen and McGinn signings. And then I have another one a little bit later that we'll talk about. But I think that this was just fantastic. Good stuff. It, you love to see it. I do agree with an A. Uh, don't know about an A-plus, but that's just because it's hard to predict a, a Brock McGinn in the future. It's hard to it's yes. hard to predict the future with anybody. So True. who knows what that turns into. For what it is worth, he doesn't have any clauses, which is also one of the things that dragged Tanev down. He had clauses that was going to make it hard to move him. No. And he was older. That too. Always look for youth and speed. Mm-hmm. So the last signing that they technically made was first a PTO and then signed out of it out of necessity almost, and that's Brian Boyle. Yes. And while Brian Boyle might not be high-flying, he might not be high-scoring, he is a great character guy. We've already seen that he is fantastic in the locker room, and he's a great piece for this team. So I'll give him a solid B-plus on that because stylistically, no, he might not fit great on the National Hockey League team, but he's a fantastic replacement player. He's also a fantastic player in the locker room and just a great guy to have around the team, in my opinion, from what I've seen. So a great move there. I give it a B plus. And B fits so perfectly for Brian Boyle. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. That fits. It's, he doesn't fit the Mike Sullivan system. He doesn't fit the new age NHL system. He fits the Ron Hextall and Brian Burke system. That is one thing that is for damn sure. It is a truculent game. And you know what's a ton of fun? Watching Brian Boyle score. Yes, very much. It's it's not that it's not like you're watching the I don't know how to put it. It's not like you're watching the um I don't know. It's just a ton of fun. He is an NHL player and he's gone through some shit. So we know it's a ton of fun just watching him play, get his ice time and earn his respect again and just be a ton of fun to be with on the team watching him mm-hmm. score is awesome yeah it's a perfect situation and he's a man of taste as the only one who said christmas vacation when asked what the best christmas movie was <laughs> to be fair that's his time guys are young that, that is, is his, his time. time that is his prime time right there uh yeah it's a, one person said die hard i can't remember who happy oh it was Cappy. yeah i okay well re- spider-man no way home is also a christmas movie so. oh no here we go um, there's just some interesting, there were some interesting answers in that clip. Lafferty saying love actually happening with the die hard and shout out Mark Friedman. I forgot about him. Polar express, a man after my own heart. <laughs> yeah. This team certainly seems like they're having a lot of fun. And I mean, that could be, that could go to Ron Hextall as well. You got to make sure you put the guys in the room that are going to like each other. Uh, let's quickly talk about the players. They re-signed. Obviously Casper Bjorkfist was a guy that Will you give up on Casper Bjorkfist? They said no. We'll bring him back. And also Redeem Zahorna, they re-signed him. We thought Redeem Zahorna would have a much bigger role on this team. He felt he dealt with a little bit of injuries. 
But uh, Redeem Zahorna is still nice to have him down there in the minors. Also, nice to be able to say that we haven't had to resort to bringing up Redeem Zahorna this season, even though we have dealt with COVID and injuries. Yeah, Redeem Zahorna is a... Uh, he's one of those break glass in case of emergencies for now. But I feel like next season he's going to have that elevated role, assuming he signed a multi-year deal, deal correct? I do not remember. Is it? There, it is a multi-year deal. Ends with the I UFA. Think it was two? Yes, two years. Ends with the UFA, but you know what? He's a guy to watch for making this lineup next year. I think mm-hmm. he's got the room to grow. <laughs> I think it would have been a ton of fun to watch him, Boyle, and who am I forgetting that was also really tall play on the same line together. But uh, O'Connor? Maybe. I don't remember. There was a another guy. really tall forward that we thought could crack the lineup and make the same line as him, and it would be a ton of fun to watch. Maybe Jeff Carter? I don't remember. Uh, I don't know. But, it, yeah, we like big guys. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, he's a good re-signing. And then you said Bjorkquist, correct? Yes, Bjorkvist. They were able to bring him back as well. Yeah. That's another one maybe for next year, but he is in the last year of his yeah. deal already. So, questions. Well, that we'll that and also it was questionable whether or not Casper Bjorkvist was panning out. Yeah. So, I'm sure they wanted to have a little bit more time to to judge him and assess him. So, getting another year of Casper Bjorkvist on a team that, listen, we need prospects. So, giving him a year to potentially prove himself and bounce back into that prospect conversation – that's a decent move. Yeah, it is. I like it. Sort of like the Fadoon should put thing. I'm not really going to put a grade on either of these two. Cool. Because we haven't seen any of the real... I mean, Zahorn has played 20 games, has like, I believe, nine points in the minors. So we haven't really seen much of it. But also, it hasn't been a necessity to have those guys up here. Yeah, it hasn't. So three more signings we got to get through. Uh, Teddy Bluger and Zach Aston Reich were brought back. Great moves, in my opinion, on on both sides. We've seen Bluger come out to have a really strong season, become one of the best, if not the best, penalty killer in the National Hockey League, and for the best penalty kill in the National Hockey League. Both of these guys are instrumental, both Bluger and Zach Aston-Reese. And it seems like, and the question was asked of Mike Sullivan last week, it seems like every year Zach Aston-Reese plays, he does better and better at the role that he has, and he's already one of the best in the National Hockey League at being a 200-foot, two-way forward. Yeah. He's improving his game to the nth degree, Zach Aston Reese. Sure, it was only one year, but that's a player you kind of take one year at a time, I guess, because he's not yeah. the flashy goal scorer that you're going to sign forever and ever. Uh, whereas Teddy Bluger, two years again, makes a ton of sense. Captain Latvia, oh wait. <laughs> Would have been Captain, Captain Latvia, but there's only one more move left. And Horwat, I think you know who I'm about to talk about, and we've already kind of heaped praise onto this player. But I think we should heap praise on to Hextall and Burke for bringing him back into the fold because Evan Rodriguez on, I'm guessing, league minimum? $1 million. One, okay, $1 million for your top line right winger. For a power play one guy, for a player that has already surpassed his career high in goals, and we are only 30 games into the National Hockey League season. 10 goals on the year for Evan Rodriguez. An absolute barn burner of a signing where a lot of people said, you know what, he's kind of leveling off. He played on the top line but couldn't really finish. He has a good shot, but it doesn't seem like he trusts it. Well, all of those question marks are gone. It might be the fact that Hextall and Burke had the confidence in him to bring him back. It might be that Mike Sullivan had the confidence in him to make him the number one center whenever the top three were already out. But whatever they've done... It's worked for Evan Rodriguez, and he is one of the big, biggest, 
if not the biggest reasons why the Penguins have found success this year. Albeit probably, except for Crosby, Latang, Jari, he's the unsung hero. He's the guy that has come out of nowhere and helped glide the Penguins to the seven-game win streak and also 13 of the past 16. Exactly. Or 12 of the past 15, something like that. Yeah, he's having a career year. For a million dollars, you take that. I mean, looking at his last few contracts, he went from signing for $2 million in Buffalo to getting traded here to signing a $700,000 deal mm-hmm. to coming back for a million and, you know, busting ass and playing phenomenally. Mm-hmm. Each time each time he's been signed, I've looked at it as, okay, but why? Because he's not the greatest player. He's just kind of a fill-in. And now he's proven to be an NHL regular out of nowhere. Does it sustain? We just have to wait and see. But for now, strike while the iron is hot. This was a hell of a move. It's going to earn him a ton of money if it sustains. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether or not it's here or not was just still to be seen. But for now, hell, it's a great contract. And it's a great signing out of surprise, out of shock and awe. I, I don't think, had this been a regular, had he just been having his average uh, Evan Rodriguez season, we're kind of looking at this as a, sure, it's fine that he's back. But now we're looking at it as it, looking at it as a smart move very smart way to go guys this one's all on you not evan rodriguez for overperforming at all mm-hmm. it's great stuff i think it's fun to it's also fun to watch him play it's out of nowhere he loves shooting the puck now and he can he's really got an underrated shot so that's all the moves we literally just went down through every single move that ron hextall brian burke have made we put grades to most of them so now it's time for the final grade Overall, Horwat, I'll ask you first. Overall, how do you feel that Brian Burke and Ron Hextall have performed in their first almost calendar year as the head of the Penguins? How many of these moves did me and you say we did not like? Uh, not very a many. A grand total of none. So it, exactly. it cannot be lower than a B, so I'm going to give it an A. <laughs> Just a straight A, maybe not an A+, because there's some, some faults here and there. But nothing major. Like I said, we cannot look at any of these moves and say we did not outright dislike this move. Mm-hmm. It, so it, they get an A from me so far because, again, one real trade and a bunch of solid signings that make sense in this era of the world. You got to put up, put up a team that can still win and fight through a ton of injuries, virus. We're doing that. And it's these players that are doing it. So, yeah, it's an A from me, and hopefully it remains that. The only the biggest gripe I have might be the McCann thing. And that I got past pretty damn quickly. Yeah. When it comes to their success so far, you look at their track record, they haven't made a whole lot of moves. They really haven't. They haven't made very many trades. They made a couple of signings, only a couple new players. Realistically, there's only... Three or four new players on this National Hockey League team. Maybe five, if you include Boyle, which you should. Five new players on this National Hockey League team from when they took over the team back in January. So, they haven't made many moves. I've said several times in this episode, you have to give credit where credit is due to not making moves, not messing with the chemistry of the team. So, I have to also factor that into my final grade. They've had success. Division champions last year. They had a really good team in the postseason. They were competing with the Islanders. They should have won against the Islanders except for a poor performance from Tristan Jari. 
the intelligence to go back to Jari and just switch the goaltending coach, as you mentioned, Horwat. And now, even though they had a slow start to the season, dealing with the injuries that they have dealt with, and being one of the hottest teams that the NHL has seen going into the Christmas break, I give them a B plus. They've found success. They've done a really good job. They haven't they haven't messed anything up. But they've also not made any groundbreaking moves why I can't give them an A. They haven't gone out there and made a massive move that has changed the face of this franchise. They they haven't had to, which is still why I give them a B plus. They haven't had to go out there and be the heroes and be the GM of the year, but they had to make sure they didn't mess it up and they had to make some smart moves and they definitely have hit on basically everything they've done. So I give them a B plus and we'll see what they do the rest of the season because they have yet to make a trade. They have yet to make a waiver claim this season. They have just dealt with the cards that they had when they came into the year. And I think they've done a really good job this year. The team is looking good, and we'll see what happens the rest of the season. Yeah, they're finding, like I said, they're finding ways to win through adversity, through injuries, through a virus, and that's important. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like I mean, a B-plus also works. Like I said, it, we haven't disliked anything. We can't go lower than a B, really. B-minus. Mm-hmm. Perfect. We're doing good. Hold strong, hold pat, and continue winning. That's the most important part of this. So let us know what you think. Go to our Twitter page, at Iceberg Podcast. Once again, we're, we're gearing in on 1,000 followers. So if you get us to 1,000, we'll luckily be giving away a huge giveaway. It's going to be a package. There's going to be a couple things that come to you if you win that giveaway. So make sure you follow us at Iceberg Podcast. And let us know, what do you grade these guys at? Ron Hextall, Brian Burke, what do you give them for a grade from their work from January to December? of 2021 but that's going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg podcast we will see you guys on thursday have a good week hockey fans you can follow us on twitter at nick horwatt 41 and at nick underscore berlansky you can also follow the show's twitter handle at iceberg podcast this podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from so please subscribe and rate us on apple podcasts We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.